In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. This is the fourth Sunday of Hathor, and the readings continue the same theme of this month, which is the Holy Scripture, the Holy Scriptures taking root in our lives uh, and in our hearts, and that we become true disciples and followers of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in the preceding three weeks of this month, we read about how the Word of God is sprinkled everywhere upon every kind of soil um, and upon all over the world even, but only a few allow it to take root in their hearts. We also read that we should uh, have the love of God that overcomes every type of other love in our hearts and that we should put Him above all things, uh, even above our own family and our friends, even above all of our possessions, and even above our own selves as well. Here we read about a rich man who came running and dwelt before him um, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So he comes to him and he bows down in front of him and kneels and, and asks this question. Christ uh, tells him that he needs to follow the law and that the man should indeed um, you know, do all the things that he already knows. And he says, well, all of these things I already do. And so he already had many virtues. He was already following the law and he was doing the best that, that he could. Um, the reading today also tells us that Christ looked at him and loved him. No one, of course, knows the heart of this man except God, but alone, uh, who God alone knows him. But one can suppose that this person um, was a, a decent person. He was very humble. He kneeled before Christ, asking for eternal life. Many people came to him asking for favors, for healing, for uh, him to resolve various issues, to, to help with the storms that were there. And God, of course, answered them. But he came asking for the right thing, which is eternal life. Um, he observed the weightier elements of the law, that, um, and he kept them from his youth, that Christ commended him for and loved him for that. And he was prepared to do more. He said, all these things I've done, what more shall I do? Showing a great desire to do what God wants him to do. The Bible says Christ looked at him and loved him. And when hearing that he had um, to sell all that he had to uh, be his disciple... He was at least very sorrowful at the thing. He couldn't fulfill it, but at least he showed that inner sorrow. So comprehending at least to a, a degree, but for sure not fully, what was lost by not following Christ. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been sorrowful as the Bible shows us. But he lost all of these benefits that he had, all these beneficial virtues that existed in his life because of one thing, because of his love for wealth and his possessions. The love of wealth destroys... Um, it's like a destructive disease. It destroys all the other virtues. It blinds us of God's love to us, and it hinders our own love towards God and towards other people. It's like the thorns that we read a few weeks ago that choke the seed when we read um, earlier this month, when uh, again, keeping in that same spirit of the month, when we read about the, the seed that grows but is choked by the thorns, right? So it had good soil. He had good foundations, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit could not show in his life because, again, he loved wealth more than anything else. But to recognize that the wealth of heavenly things is of much more value than the wealth of this world is something that we're all called to do as Christians. Christ tells him to go and give up his wealth, give to the poor, and that he would have treasure in heaven and to take up his cross and follow him. And that after that, he would be, quote-unquote, perfect. 
Um, we know many saints in past have reached that perf- like state of perfection, right? Where they've reached a level of holiness that is not perfect when compared to God, of course, because no one is perfect, but perfect in that he, they follow and please God in their actions. We call, for example, St. Peshoi, the perfect man, the beloved of our good Savior. And he said, if you want to go be perfect, go sell what you have. And he gave him more than what was required for him to give up. He said, not, not only you know, go and sell what you have and live in poverty and you're going to be miserable. No, go sell what you have and you will have treasure in heaven. So he tells him that what you're going to give up is not as good as what you're going to gain. Um, in fact, that it's incomparably better. He calls it a treasure, which means that it's plenty, right? We're going to receive plenty. It's secure, it's permanent, and cannot be even imitated or compared to any kind of worldly wealth. Because to follow Him comes with a lot of spiritual rewards, which we experience now in this life, but we also experience more fully when we're in heaven. The peace, the joy, the love, the security people think will come from money is only found in Christ. And of course, we know that when we follow Him, even in this world, we begin to experience those heavenly gifts even now in this world. The thing that people are deceived into thinking that wealth and uh, possessions are the things that actually give these things. But they're not. Only Christ has, it only has its source in Christ. But his love for wealth blinded him of all this because he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. It was not that he had possessions that uh, was uh, causing him to stumble or that he was rich, but that he was in love with these possessions more than he was for God. And the fact that he had great possessions, uh, possessions, as the Bible says, he had great possessions, it showed that how much great of a hold these possessions had on his heart. Um, because the desire to fulfill the love of possessions is never filled, right? And we, we might have seen this in our own lives. We try our best to fulfill it, and the moment we get some possessions, what do we want? We want more, right? Because it's an empty gap. It's failing us continually, but that deception continues. So we try our best to fill it even more and more. And yet it still doesn't fill what that void is in our heart, which only God can fill. It cannot satisfy or fill, but leaves you wanting more. And many, many labor um, you know, for this and searching and dedicate their whole life to accumulating wealth and possessions but they try to acquire it more and more and still fail and they become uh, very miserable. Even the rich, right? Even the wealthy people, we know that if they don't have Christ, they, they lack the most important things in life. And when called to follow God, this man refused. We, of course, are called to follow God no matter what, even to the point of death, right? Even not just our wealth and our possessions, not even not just our families that we are to give up, but we are called to even give up our lives if that is indeed the call that we should ever encounter. And when he refused and walked away sad and sorrowful, Christ said, Children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So he didn't blame riches themselves because riches is just material. It it itself has no power. But blame them, um, 
blamed them that made themselves slaves to these riches. He also did not say that it was impossible for the rich man to be saved, but that it was hard, because the temptations and trials that come with wealth and riches are great. And the, the greater the trial, the greater that you need God in your life. So the trial is greater for those who have riches, to have the ability to control the riches rather than to be controlled by the riches and to be tempted by all of the trials that come with it. So that's why it's, it's hard. It's like the camel going through the eye of a needle. The disciples were troubled at this, though, and asked, who then can be saved? If, if the rich people can't be saved, who then can be saved? Why did they ask this? We know that the apostles themselves, this didn't apply to them. They were poor. They were fishermen, and they didn't have much uh, possessions in the first place. Why did they even care about this saying? Because it didn't seem to apply to them. Because you saw their quality, you saw the quality of the apostles, because they were already taking the role of leaders who care for everyone. Their request was for the rich whom they cared about, even though they themselves were poor. It shows that amazing quality of the apostles, that quality that would end up uh, changing the whole world uh, through the grace of the Holy Spirit. And when Christ looked at them and saw that they had such loving care for everyone, Christ tells them that even in this scenario, even though it is difficult, it is not impossible with God, because with God, all things are possible. Even though it's hard and it is a uh, big trial, even with God, as all things, it's possible. So with men, it is impossible, but not with God, for with God, all things are possible. And this, of course, is a great spiritual lesson for us that uh, all things are possible with Christ. Uh, it should increase our faith. It should motivate us to tackle the, even the most difficult situations and not just to tackle them, but to overcome them with faith and assurance and to be victorious in the end through our ever victorious Lord Jesus Christ. Difficult situations in our civic life, in our careers, family life, health, and most importantly, our spiritual life, all of them have their solutions in our Lord Jesus Christ. The difficulty of the matter um, or the good work ahead of us should not paralyze us into inaction, right? Um, either, you know, sometimes we see a spiritual obstacle inside of our hearts that we don't think we can overcome. That should not paralyze us into inaction, but should motivate us to trust in God even more and request His help who will bring us to victory in the end. Because this, the verse that um, he says, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor, can be taken uh, by different people, right? It, and have a different reaction by different people. We know, for example, uh, one of our great saints in our church walked into the church and heard this very reading, maybe on the same day uh, that we read today. Um, and he walked into the church with a whole congregation, and yet it affected him in such a manner. Anyone know who it is? St. Anthony, right? So St. Anthony came in, and the story goes, as, as written by St. Athanasius, if, any, if you want to be perfect, go and sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. So he goes out of the church, right? And he sells all of his inheritance that he received, which was a lot, and he gives it all up, saving a little bit, of course, for his uh, little sister, uh, puts it aside for his sister, and then goes and dwells in the desert. He left the church and gave it all up, um, as commanded. Um, of course, we know his story. Uh, it's beyond the scope of today's talk to talk about St. Anthony's story, but he goes off and founds the first monastery in the world, and, and uh, Christian monasticism, of course, spreads throughout the whole world because of him. Um, and the same thing with the countless martyrs in our church. 
they gave up even more at the command of Christ. Once they perceive the calling, they know to give it all up, right? They gave up not just their wealth and their possessions like St. Anthony did, but they even gave up his uh, their lives, their own, their own life, even to bloodshed. And you might wonder, okay, well, I'll just wait for that calling. I'll wait for the calling for that to come to me. And what is the calling? Um, although it's happened a couple times in our church history where you'll see beams of light and a voice from heaven and you say, okay, that is the calling. Yes, it's happened a couple times, but that definitely is not the norm. Uh, the calling from God is for you to perceive that there is a need. Once you perceive there is a need, that is like a moving of a mountain. That's like parting of the Red Sea. It's a miracle that God has spoken in your hearts and tells you indeed that there is a need. Because when we perceive there is a need, that is God speaking to us. And because not everyone is able to see the needs, right? People walk by people in need all the time, but they ignore it. But when God speaks to you and opens your eyes to that need, that is the calling. That's all you need to act in, in Christ. And that, that could be in the form of just simple prayers, which is very valuable, of course. Or it could be, again, the need to uh, give up some of the wealth to help. Or it could be a sacrifice of time or energy or some of the talents you have. So that is the calling that we receive, just like St. Anthony received. St. Cyril um, of Alexandria has a really nice quote, because those who truly have experienced and touched by the living God suddenly understand the worth of His presence. Those who really experience the living God suddenly become aware and uh, of His presence and the value of His presence in their lives. St. Cyril says, those who receive the message of the gospel, who truly receive it, with which gladdens the heart of man, they become superior to wealth and the love of money. Their mind is established in courage. They set no value on temporal things, but thirst rather after the things eternal. They honor the voluntary poverty and are in love with their brothers. Because it is not the wealth itself, which is the earthly material, and again, it's powerless, but the love that we give to it that we have to overcome. And once we do, we receive the countless blessings and promises and treasures in heaven that we even begin to experience now here on earth. But for most of us, we need to do so in degrees. We're not going to walk out of the church. Maybe one of you will, but um, we're not going to walk out and just give up all of our possessions. We need to do so in degrees. And God will accept even whatever we have to offer. The, um, this is a very practical step for us for not being a slave to wealth and money, which we always, all of us have to be on guard and have to be taught from little children. Uh, so God gives us the, the tool of almsgiving, which is, you know, the giving of 10% um, as a benefit to us more than those we receive. So the poor benefit from bread and clothing that you may give them. The church benefits from expanding its uh, services and paying for repairs, as you guys could see, and uh, paying for the mortgages and other expenses. The charity organizations could benefit from being able to cover expenses, but you benefit much more than all these things. You benefit from by being freed from the most dangerous sins, which is the love of wealth and money, and the, all the stress and headaches that comes with it. You benefit by pleasing God and benefit by building a spiritual home which is in heaven, increasing the treasures that you will receive, treasures that cannot be taken away that are of much more value, of course. So we're trading, as it were, trading the inferior for the superior. 
we're trading some, it's a good deal. When you trade something that is worth less and you receive something of greater value. We have many stories of saints like, um, uh, who, who have done this, who have given up uh, being kings that you guys know about, um, like Saints Maximus and Dumedius, or Saint, um, uh, you know, the, the one that's became a fool for Christ, Saint um, Anasimon, uh, who were queens and princes and princesses, and, and they gave it all up to uh, live for Christ. When I was young, they gave us a really spiritual, uh, a, a nice spiritual exercise in our Sunday school classes that I wish we could start again. They used to give a dollar to each of the kids, and they, you got who remembers this, right? Uh, they used to give a dollar to the Sunday school kids, and the Sunday school kids would give it to the teachers, and that instills in our in our mind that necessity of you know money means nothing to us. It is just something that we used as a tool in this life, and we should use it as a tool to better uh, the world uh, around us. So we're in a time of fasting. Let's practice this spiritual uh, exercise of letting go of those things which cause us headaches and stress, uh, such as adding more debt so that we can obtain more possessions. That just comes with greater stress and, and, and problems. It's by taking away and not by adding possessions that we overcome and we uh, and we're able to overcome uh, that desire when the disciples said see we have left all and followed you Jesus answered and said to them assuredly I say to you there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life but many who are first will be last and the last shall be first so they receive a hundredfold now in this time and in the age to come eternal life so we receive more now when we give and we, um, and we receive a reward in heaven and this is a, a teaching that is in the Bible uh, even from Old Testament times in Malachi 3.10 he says, bring all the tithes, the 10%, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this. This is one of the few times in all of the Bible that God says, test me. And now try me, test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. It's one of the few verses, again, that God really challenges us to give and see what He does afterwards. Many of us may have experienced this in our own lives as well. When we give, we, uh, we somehow are blessed by the money we have and, are even, and it even grows even further. When I was in the congregation, just like you, uh, I used to always hear the priest come up and say, okay, it's time to talk about money. And, and they always felt uncomfortable doing it. And I never understood it. I said, why, why would you feel uncomfortable? It's time for you to talk about it. It's fine. Uh, but now I do feel uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, even though uh, in the diocese, the priest uh, you know, is paid for, in this diocese, the priest is paid by, by the diocese and not the local parish, it's still very uncomfortable to talk about money, right? Uh, nevertheless, it's part of uh, the leadership and, our, and, and the fellowship we have to even talk about the uncomfortable things. Um, to help give uh, 
relief to others in need. And believe me, there are a lot of people in need, even in our own communities, right? People who have the misfortune of sudden unemployment or um, they have uh, like uh, some sort of uh, medical problem that, th that their insurance is not covering or maybe they don't have insurance um, or any of those kind of things. The, the church is there to help those kind of people. Um, but again, the giving of tithes is, much, is of much more greater value to the giver than the ones who receive it. And God will never forget it. God always remembers even the little that we give. Because the wicked desire of wealth, which is never satisfied, brings stress, causes many uh, people to hurt others in obtaining it. We might have seen it. How many backstabbings in our workplace and and uh, how many uh, underminings that occur just so somebody can outmaneuver somebody else so that they can get more money. Um, it causes hurt to others. And it can only be cured. This disease can only be cured by giving. St. Peter then, when speaking on the uh, behalf of the apostles and seeking to gain favor for himself and the apostles and his friends, he says, see, we have left all and followed you. Because we look at the apostles, for example, what did they have that they gave up? Right. I mean, St. Peter may have had like a small boat and a net. Right. And he gave it up. So what did they actually own? They didn't own much. Um, they were poor, like and like St. Peter was poor. They were all pretty poor, uh, but he gave as much as he could. It's not about how much we give, but um, but that really what's really important is that we take those practical steps to be free from the love of money. St. John Chrysostom has a nice quote. He says, for the giving was done for the sake of following, and the following was made easier by the giving, and made them feel confidence and joy regarding the giving. So the giving was done for the sake of following Christ. For To be a Christian, we, we need to give. And the following of Christ to be a Christian was made easier by the giving. Giving is therefore a necessary and practical way to become followers of Christ or to even be called Christian. Giving is always accepted by God and He brings joy and confidence and peace uh, in its place. The story of the widow's two mites, for example, who went into church and gave two mites, which translates to today's dollars, a few cents. She gave a few cents and that's all she had. And God accounted it more than the rich man who gave much more because she, out of her poverty, gave even a little bit. So it's not what we give or how much we give. It's the, that practical step that we take to forsake uh, that love of money, which again causes a lot of headaches and misery in our life. And God made the promise that anyone who gives up these things um, has for uh, these things for God's sake will be blessed here on earth and have also treasure in heaven. This is this promise, of course, wasn't just made to the apostles; they're made to the whole world and made to us as well. In Psalm 41, 1, it says, Blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he will be blessed on earth. And you will not, de you will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness. He will sustain him on his sickbed. Though he promises the blessing on earth, it would be enough to just consider the things in heaven. But it, graciousness of our Lord, he also promises us blessing on earth as well as blessing in heaven. Um, we receive mansions that are above. We gain f the father of the universe to become our father. We uh, call the noble saints and angels our brothers and sisters. We have wisdom as our husband or wife. We have the heavenly Jerusalem as our mother. 
from which we were born when we were baptized. Because the other things we possess, which are not ours, but belong to God already, um, and the people we have a relationship with, are all temporary. All things are temporary. Um, sometimes we need to be reminded of that. They're like a vapor of smoke that appears for a while and then disappears. Or like some sort of dream that you look back on. Wow, I had this dream that once I lived in the world and had stress and all that. It'll be like a dream to us one day. That's That's over. But will disappear. All that will disappear, and it'll fail us in the time that we need it. When we uh, look for the money, when we really need it, it'll fail us, especially if it's not founded on God. Christ offers us a great deal. Let's make the most use of the possessions that we have while this deal still stands, and exchanging the inferior for the superior. Let us therefore seek the riches in heaven and become rich towards God whose good pleasure it is to give us so many blessings in this life and in the life to come, and that we may attain the good things of eternity by the grace of the lover of mankind, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, to whom be glory with his good Father and the Holy Spirit, now and forever, and unto the ages of all ages. Amen.